Great to have you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Can you believe the atrium at all the campuses right now? How great does that look out there? Can we give it up for our volunteers who made all that happen this last week? It looks incredible. Literally, our atrium looks incredibly. The Incredibles out in our atrium. It's amazing. We did a Pixar theme here at Broadcast. I know Rodfield has got a Star Wars theme going on. A lot of great things happening at all of our campuses. So be sure to check that out. And, uh, you know, make sure that you go out and get pictures of that for your Instagram and Snapchat. And, you know, I'll make sure I post it on my MySpace. It's going to be really great. <laughs> Can't wait. So anyways, yeah, make sure you get out there and, and let people know about the cool stuff going on with At The Movies is next week. I can't believe it's one week away. It's one of the biggest series of the year. You don't want to miss it. I know we keep plugging it, but you, you just don't understand until you come. Until you've been to an At The Movies, you don't realize how big it is and how much fun it is. And so don't miss it. it literally, it's like an Easter attendance for us. I'm not kidding. We will have somewhere between 13, 14, 15,000 people next weekend in the summer. I mean, it's huge. And so it's exciting. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be really cool. Well, we've been having a really, just a lot of fun with this series we've been doing on how to wreck your life. For those of you who are new here, it kind of shocked you, I know, because we saw people, you should see their faces when I'm saying things that just don't add up. You know, they're like, did he just say that on stage? You know? So the whole point of this series has been to kind of do a reverse psychology and tell you how to wreck your life so that obviously, hopefully, you won't do those things. It's been really a lot of fun. And we've had some visitors, you know, kind of freaking out at first going, what's he saying? And then someone beside them said, just keep listening, keep listening. And then they finally figured out that actually I don't mean what I'm saying uh, as I'm talking about how to wreck your life. It's really a fun series. And it's a unique way to present truth is to speak the untruth. Uh, in the middle of church, and people go, well, that's just not right. And it hardens your view in the right area. So it's been really fun to do that. And so we're continuing with that series. And so it's been a lot of fun. You know, th this week we're going to talk a little bit about, about evangelism because it's kind of funny. It's interesting that people ask me sometimes, why is it that when we get saved, why aren't we just zapped up to heaven on the spot? Well, the reason why is because we still have a job to do, because God wants us to be a part of witnessing and reaching more people for Christ so we can do what? What's our mission statement? So we can take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. So that's why you haven't been zapped up the moment you get saved. You know, like, why don't we just get on with it and go to heaven, right? Well, because there's more people who don't know the Lord yet. So we're going to have fun. We're going to continue with this series. And today I'm excited to continue with this whole reverse psychology, how to wreck your life. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Warning. The following message will be extremely sarcastic and snarky. Viewer discretion is advised. I am so glad you joined us with How to Wreck Your Life. Today, I've got a great message on how to totally make sure your life doesn't count. I know you're excited about this. And so pull out your notes if you would. Let's talk about how you can make sure your life doesn't count. You know, one day we're going to go to heaven and God's going to ask us a simple question. There's going to be a final exam if you don't know this. The final exam is going to include two questions. The first one is, what did you do with Jesus, right? And you either accepted him as your Savior or you didn't. And if you didn't, then according to Scripture, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, right? And you spend eternity in heaven hell apart from God, or you get to spend eternity in heaven with Christ and with the Lord because you accepted Christ. The second question is going to ask you, this one may surprise you if you didn't know this one. The second question is going to be now that you know Jesus, what did you do with that? Did you ever share your faith? Did you ever make an impact? So we're going to talk about that today because today's message is how to wreck your life. So I'm going to try to help you have a big fat goose egg next to your name when you get to heaven, how to make sure your life doesn't count. Here we go. Let's dive right into scripture. The first scripture is 1 Thessalonians 1. It says, to the church, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you 
constantly. So we're supposed to be praying for the church, praying for the church's growth, praying for the church's impact. And of course, you are the church. And it says in Ephesians 5, 15, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. People are longing for something to fulfill them. So the number one way that you can make sure your life doesn't count, please write this down, is to never pray for your friends or family to be saved and never sense the urgency to never pray for your friends and family to be saved and never sense the urgency. The second thing we can do, number two, you want to write this one down? When the Holy Spirit prompts you to be a witness, ignore it. Just ignore it. Just say, eh, no, I'm not going to do that. It says in 2 Timothy 4, do the work of an evangelist. So next time you're talking with someone and the Holy Spirit prompts you and says, you really should witness to them. You should tell them about your faith. Tell them about how God's changed your life. You should maybe invite them to come to church. Immediately you got to go, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Just immediately blow it off because the better you get it blown off the Holy Spirit, eventually the Holy Spirit just doesn't seem like he talks to you anymore because you're no longer effective for him. So you can have a big fat goose egg next to your name or all the people that you brought to heaven when you die. So if you want to be ineffective, you want to make sure that your life doesn't count. Number one, never pray for your friends and family. Never sense the urgency. Number two, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to be a witness, ignore it completely. So, wow, I'm not getting amens. I'm so surprised right now. Okay. It says in Luke chapter 14, 23, it says, go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. Apparently, according to Scripture, God wants his house to be full. He wants every seat to be filled up with people hearing about the love that he has for them. And Acts 15, 26 shows you the links that people went to to make sure they knew about Jesus. It says they risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, even today, there are parts of the world that if you go to witness to someone and tell them about Jesus, you can be jailed have all your freedom taken away, or you can be killed. Did you know that? And so but here in America, oh no, we're so used to it. We don't want to witness because, you know, we don't want people to think we're weird. So we don't risk our lives. We don't want to risk our social status. We don't want to risk what people may think of us. And so number three is when asked to bring someone to church, assume it's too socially awkward to say anything. So if you want to make sure your life doesn't count, Always assume, oh, it's just too socially awkward to bring up church or God. I mean, come on, Pastor. Everyone knows you don't bring up politics or religion, man. You can't do that. And so just always go with that little unwritten rule that the devil clearly put into our society to make sure that you're totally ineffective. If you want to make sure your life doesn't count, always think it's just too socially awkward to do it. Then this is another thing. you got to get good at skipping Scripture. And so Matthew 28 is one of those verses you just got to skip if you want to be ineffective. It says this. Jesus said this after he rose again from the grave, after he gave his life on the cross. He said, now that I've done that, for you, he gives you this instruction. He says, for those who are already my disciples, he says this, go and make more disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we did last week. We did baptisms. And so Jesus says, your primary purpose is to go and make more disciples. That's why you weren't zapped up the moment you accepted Christ to heaven, because you still have a job to do to make sure other people are saved as well. And so how can you become totally ineffective for the kingdom? How can you make sure that your life doesn't count? To make a difference, here's how. Number four, justify your lack of evangelism by ignoring the primary purpose Jesus gave all his disciples. Just ignore it. Just blow that off. Uh, yeah, I'll let other people do that. And so just learn to ignore it. Here's another great way that you can make sure that you're totally ineffective. Number five, would you write this down? Assume that God expects faithfulness from you, but not fruitfulness. Faithfulness means that, you know, you say, well, I've been a Christian for 10 years. Assume that's what counts. Just the length of time you've been a follower of Christ and, and disregard whether you're actually an effective follower of Christ. In fact, the scripture talks a lot about bearing fruit. It says in John 15, 16, it says, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That means it's eternal fruit. 
Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. See, many times we keep asking God to do stuff in our life and he won't do it. And maybe it's because we're just asking him to do stuff for us and not for him. But the moment we become fruitful, meaning that we're trying to win people to Christ, then all of a sudden he'll give you whatever you need because now you're on his team. Now you're doing stuff for him. And so all of a sudden you'll get your prayers answered. Why? Because now it's not about you. It's about making an impact. It's about making a difference. It's about bringing more people into to know Christ. See, the Bible talks about bearing fruit. If you see a fruit tree, a healthy fruit tree produces fruit. You could take that fruit, pull it off the tree, break it open, take some seeds from it and plant the seeds. And guess what you'll get? Another fruit tree, right? So you take the apple seeds, go plant them. You're going to get another apple tree, which will produce more apples. So apparently, according to scripture, you and I are supposed to reproduce ourselves and other people. We're supposed to share our faith. Colossians 1.9 says, be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you what? Bear fruit. So apparently I'm not supposed to just have all this knowledge of God. I'm supposed to do something with it. Now look what Jesus did, not what he said, but what he did. It's unbelievable. Matthew 29, 21 verse 19 Jesus saw one single leafy fig tree above the roadside. He went to it, but he found nothing but leaves on it. Seeing that in the fig tree, the fruit appears at the same time as the leaves. What's the point of this? In other words, the fruit is what makes you truly mature because you're reproducing yourselves, right? A human is mature, we know, if they can reproduce children, right? That's how you know you've hit maturity, right? And so, but the same with the fig tree, but the fig tree has leaves and fruit. So the leaves show, it makes it look and appear mature, but the actual fruit shows whether it really is or not. So you can appear, according to scripture, you can seem really godly. You can seem really spiritual and still not have any fruit. And so what did Jesus do with this tree? He said, and he said to it, never again shall fruit grow on you and the fig tree withered up at once. Wow. Jesus got mad at the tree that looked mature, that looked deep, that looked godly, that looked like it had it going on, but there was no fruit. Now, surely this church wouldn't have anybody like that. That sounds really spiritual and talks a big game, but just never actually opened their mouth to a lost person and helped them find Christ. Surely that doesn't happen around here. I'm sure that none of us are just appearing godly, appearing effective, yet we really aren't. So if you want to make sure that your life totally doesn't count, number five, assume that God expects faithfulness, but not fruitfulness. And so this is important. You know, I remember one time I was at Disney World with my kids, my wife and I, and we were there having a good time. And, and as we're there, you know, I mean, it's the equivalent of, you know, we, we lost the kids one time. We couldn't figure out where they were. We found one kid. And, you know, we, you just, just at that point, we should have just said, you know what? We got the one quality kid. We don't need to worry about quantity. We'll just, we're good. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine God doing that, right? You'd be like, you know, like, like, I mean, you know, which one of us isn't quality that he doesn't want to continue to reach? You say, well, I'm in. I mean, I mean, you found me, Lord. Doesn't matter if you found everyone else, right? So if you want to make sure your life doesn't count, say things like, you know, I like a church that focuses on quality and not quantity. As if some other people that God made, they're just not really quality, but I am. I mean, just go ahead and get smug about it. I'm in, I'm good. And just flip off the world and say, you guys can go to hell because I'm going to heaven already. And that way you can make sure your life doesn't count. Here's another thing that we have to learn to do if you want to make sure your life doesn't count. It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I mean, Jesus does say you can do all things through him, but <laughs> let's just pretend when it comes to evangelism that we just really can't pull that off. We're just not really good at that. In fact, look at the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 11, 
It says if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. So this is for the person who, who just is like, well, I'm at witness, but I just, I couldn't find the right time to bring it up. It just never really made itself known like this is the perfect time to say thing. I just didn't feel like it fit the conversation. So, you know, if you really make sure your life doesn't count, always have this as your excuse. Number six, if all else fails, assume you're just not good at inviting people or you just can't find the perfect moment. So if you want to make sure your life doesn't count, never interrupt that conversation. Never break in with passion and say, hey, man, I know this doesn't fit what we're talking about, but I just got to bring this up. Don't ever do that because then your life may count. We don't want that. Make sure your life doesn't count. And last of all, John 3, 16. Now, some of you grew up with this verse. And so, and this is really helpful if you grew up with it, because that way you're really good at disobeying it because you've done it for years. But look at the scripture, John 3, 16. We kind of forget what it means because we have it so down and wrote memory that it loses its power. It says this, for God so loved the world, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God loved the whole world. This may surprise you, but he actually loves people that aren't like you. I know it's shocking. I know it's crazy. That he actually loves black people. He actually loves his family. He actually loves white people. Shocking, isn't it? Because I know, you know, whatever color you are, you're supposed to hate the other one. You know, or I know this is really going to blow your mind. He actually loves Republicans. I know that's crazy. I know, I realize that. Or he actually loves Democrats. Or, or you know, it's really crazy. He actually loves the boss who fired you. He actually loves your ex. I know that's a lot to hear but he actually died on the cross for them too, right? He actually loves someone who thinks totally differently than you. I know we have a hard time thinking about it. He actually loves prostitutes. He actually loves pimps. He actually loves drug dealers. He actually loves your dealer that you finally got rid of. He actually loves, <laughs> right? He actually loves strippers. He actually loves, you know, those who are messing around. He actually loves partiers and clubbers. And he actually, he actually loves them. I know it's crazy, but it's just for God so love the world. There are no exceptions to that, apparently. But again, we want to learn to ignore this and just pretend like he only loves us, our kind. You know, people that look and think and talk like me. That's who he must love and not love anyone else. See, the great thing about being a Christian for a long time is that the longer you're a Christian, the fewer non-Christian friends you have, the less, the less effective you get. Unless you're real intentional and you really go after building relationships with people who are far from God. Unless you're comfortable hanging around people that are hellbound, that cuss a lot and talk about things that they shouldn't talk about, right? And so, you know, we have to, if we're really going to be effective, we have to be non-judgmental and love them and care for them regardless of what they say or do, you know, but oh, no, 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 we want to make sure we're ineffective. So make sure you judge them on the spot for things they don't even know are wrong, right? Because that's what we've learned to do. Now, here's this last scripture I want to read to you. This may be a little tough, but we're going to go there anyways. Ezekiel 33 says this, if the watchman sees war coming, the watchman's the guy who stands, like they used to have this big wall around all the cities and have a watchman on top. They'd have a watchman in different corners and they would be watching in case someone's coming to attack the city. It says, if the watchman sees war coming, so he say they see an army coming, and doesn't blow the trumpet warning the people and war comes and takes anyone off, I'll hold the watchman responsible for the bloodshed of any unwanted, uh, unwarned sinner. So according to this scripture, if we're working with people at work, going to school with people at school, working out with people or whoever that doesn't know the Lord and we don't witness to them and they die without us witnessing to them or we die without witnessing to them, witnessing to them or Jesus comes back before we get a chance to witness to him, then if they go to hell, according to this scripture, then their blood is on our hands. But you know, it's okay because if you scrub long enough, you can probably get their blood off your hands. Wow. Man, Pastor, you're laying it on pretty thick, man. I mean, that's a lot of guilt you just dropped on me there. I mean, you act like I'm supposed to do something about this. 
Like somehow I'm supposed to be the difference maker. That's what God says. God says you and I are equipped for a good work to change people's lives. That, that, that's what we're called to do. Now, I have a true confession. i got to tell you something. <laughs> I'm, uh, this may surprise some of you, but most of you are probably not totally surprised with this, but I'm actually not good at basketball. I know that surprises you, but <laughs> I am truly white through and through. I mean, it comes out on the court. I mean, not, you know, I can still dance a little bit here and there, but other than that, I'm pretty white. And so when I play basketball with my kids, they know I'm bad. I mean, it's, it's bad. Like when they were little, they didn't know I was bad yet, but now they fully know dad can't, he can't hoop. He's just not good. And so, but when I was, when they were younger, I would talk all kinds of smack. I'd be like, oh man, I'm going to drive on you. I'm going to take you. It's over, you know, but now they're like, dad, just, just come at me. Come on. We know you can't play. I mean, now, now they just know I'm bad, you know, but, but they're unfortunately, you know, I'm really, really bad at basketball. I wanted to have like a cool nickname in high school, like, like, you know, air bill, you know, but they gave me air ball bill instead. Yeah. Funny for you. Anyways. And so I'm just, I'm just not good at basketball. I wish I was, right? But see, my boys are really good. Like Mason can drive in you. He can Eurostep right over you. He's really good. And he, I mean, he'll, he'll school to you. And, and then Cole, he can drive in too, but he's really that outside shot. You leave him open, it's over. He's going to make the shot. I mean, they're really good. And then Sophie, she plays and she's really good. She's great defensively. She'll pick your pocket, man. She can get that ball from you. And so they're, they're all, they all took after their mother, thank God, in this area. They're all, they got their basketball skill from her because I am not good at basketball. But man, I can talk it big. I mean, I can talk some smack out there. I'm not like, oh yeah, come on. You know, I just, I just can't actually deliver. And it just sounds like some believers I know that they can talk that evangelism game. You know, they just don't actually deliver it. They don't actually do anything, you know. And so, but here's the thing I've, I've learned because I'm bad um, at basketball. So when I watch my kids play, they're good. And so like, they'll typically make, if they shoot a ball at basket, they're typically going to make it or they're going to make it within two or three shots for sure. So like every third shot's going to go in for sure. Maybe every second shot or the first shot. They're, they're really good. You know, if you're really good, you can pretty much just make shot after shot. You know, they're, they're, they're not maybe that good every time to shoot it and make it, but they're good. And so every other shot, they're definitely making it. You know, maybe you're just kind of okay, maybe every third shot. So I'm not very good. And so for me, I got to shoot like five or six times before one goes in. In fact, if I'm really having an off game, it may be like nine or ten times and one finally gets lucky and drops in for me, right? But the only way, even if I'm bad, that I would just never have a shot is if I just never attempted. You see, some people are like, oh, I'm not good at, at evangelism. No, 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 no. The only way you get to heaven and there's a goose egg by your name is because you just never shot. We're not asking you to be good. I'm not saying you're going to turn to Billy Graham here. Are you going to be the next Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer or Bishop Jenks? You don't have to be those guys to be able to be used from God. You just have to be willing to actually take a shot. And if you'll just keep trying to invite your friend to church, five, six, seven, eight, now eventually you're going to wear them down at some point and you can actually make a shot. But the only people I know who never make a shot for heaven just refuse to play. So my challenge for you is, is really simple. Don't be the person who excuses your lack of being good as just being apathetic and lazy and refusing to have the heart of Jesus for his lost children. So what's the answer to this? It's really pretty simple. To make your life count, please write this down. I will be an active witness for Christ. 
I will be an active witness for Christ. Isaiah put it well. It's real simple. Here I am. Send me. It's not complicated. We overcomplicate it, guys. Well, but I invited this person one time to come to church, or I told them about Jesus, and they asked me all these questions I didn't know the answer to. Can I tell you what I do when people ask me a question I don't know the answer to? I go, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Why don't you come to church with me? You don't have to have all the answers to invite someone to come to church. You don't have to have all the answers to tell people that Jesus changed your life. I love what the blind man said in the scripture. He just said, look, all I know is I was blind and now I can see. Isn't that a great witness? It's like, yeah, I don't have all the answers to all that. All I know is I was screwed up and now I'm good. Because see, no one can take your story from you. It's your story. So they, they can inauthenticate all kinds of things that they want to throw, science questions and history questions and all these philosophical questions. They can do all that, that you want. But when you look at them, you say, look, all I know is I was broke and God's got me back on path. All I know is I was depressed and now I'm filled with joy. All I know is I was empty and now I'm whole. All I know is I have joy. I have happiness. All I know is I'm fulfilled. No one can take that from you. Would you please stand your feet right now across all of our campuses, across all of our campuses. I wrote something just for you today. Today, before it's too late, you need to make a decision. You need to choose. Are you going to be part of the apathetic church that says, I'm going to blow this off, let someone else be the witness? Or are you going to choose to be a part of the solution today? Say, no, I'm going to do my part. I choose today. Make a decision right now. Here's your decision. I believe that I am an ambassador of Christ. I was sent here for a purpose. I am called to change lives. The souls of my friends and family lay in the balance. I have the mandate of God's word. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. I am redeemed for this purpose. I will not live by convenience, but by conviction. I will pray up and I will speak up. I will honor God by caring for his lost children. I will not judge, but I will love. I will not back down, but I will stand up. I will not be passive, but I will be active. I will get involved. I will do my part. I will be a bold witness. I will not blow this off and I will not put this off. I will bring my friends to church. I will see this through. When the world tells me to shut up, I will speak up. When I'm rejected, I will ask again with even more passion. When I'm tired, I will pray rather than quit. I will no longer live in fear. I will act in faith. I will no longer expect others to be a witness. I will be a witness for this is my time. This is my moment. I am empowered by love, forgiven by grace, filled with the spirit, anointed to act and called to change lives because I will take as many people to heaven as I can before I die, period. That's what we're about. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed across all of our campuses right now. If you've never received Christ, he's changed my life. All I know is I was blind, now I can see. God, God changed my life. I had no purpose, now I have purpose. I had no fulfillment. I tried everything the world has to try. How about you? And then I tried Jesus and he worked. Jesus works. It's that simple. It's that simple with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you've never received Christ, you can do so right now by praying a very simple prayer. And after this prayer, for those of you who've already received Christ, we still have something to do. Doing a little different today. For those of you who've never received Christ, you can pray this prayer with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin. And then you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me.
with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just pray the prayer, Christ has come in your life. Right now, I want to ask you to do something kind of bold. Many of you, when you were younger, when you received Christ, walked an aisle. Walked an aisle in church and said, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you walked an aisle and rededicated your life to Christ. I want to ask you to do something kind of different. I want to ask you to walk an aisle for someone else. Walk an aisle out of obedience to say, I will be a witness for someone so right now, would you do this in the spirit of prayer quietly? Would you just reach down and grab that little ticket you were given on the way in? You were given a very small ticket. If you lost yours, it's okay. We have some up front. But if you have that, pull that ticket out right now. It's okay. It's okay. Just go ahead and move around a little bit if you have to. Grab that little ticket and grab a pen. And as the Holy Spirit puts someone on your heart to bring to church next week for At The Movies, would you write their name on that ticket? And just like if you go to a Fandango app and you want to reserve seats for a specific movie, we're going to reserve a spot in church for our friends that we're going to bring with us this next week. We're going to be a bold witness, not later, now. And so right now, if you feel led, you can take that ticket and fill it out. And I want you to bring it up to the front at all of our campus right now and attach it to the board to say, God, this is a symbolic. You're saying, God, I'm not only going to bring their name up here and attach it. I'm going to pray for them all week and I'm going to bring them to church this next week. You come forward right now and you attach that ticket to the board right now. You come forward, all of our campuses right now. You just come forward, write their name on that ticket. See, if you won't even walk 10 feet, 20 feet, why, why, why would I think that you're going to actually go bring them? I mean, it's real simple. It's not complicated at all. She's like, okay, God, I get it. I'm supposed to be a witness. And so this is a simple thing I can do is I can just bring someone to at the movies. This is not complicated. It's very simple. Just attach there. It doesn't have to be the specific seat. You can choose to find a seat that's exactly yours. Great. But otherwise, just, just attach it. And what you're doing by coming forward, you're saying, God, I'm in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to come and I'm going to attach your name. And that's my accountability that I put a name up there that I'm going to pray for them, but I'm also going to speak up. I'm going to invite them to come to church with me. It's a big church, by the way, so I would recommend that this is how you really get them here. You say, hey, I'll pick you up at this time. Bring you to church with you. You know, we have a little tax to stick it up there, and I love the fact that they're taxed because you gotta, you got to pierce the board, right? God has to pierce your heart with someone's name before you're going to ever do this. And guys, the day that we don't have a heart to bring people to church is the day we're done. But I believe that God should continue to break our hearts for his lost children. When I go to the local mall, I'm telling you guys, I walk in and if I sit on the bench, I'll start weeping because I look around, I just walk, I see people walking by me and I just think, do they know Jesus? Do they know my Lord and Savior? Are they going to spend eternity without Christ? Have I done everything I can possibly do? I have spent 20 years of my life and more doing this and I refuse to quit because there's still people that need Jesus. That's what this church is about. We are a mission. We are called to reach out. I want to be the church that sets up right next to hell that catches people before they go in and stops them and says, no, 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 no. There's a better way. There's a better way. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? Look, there's a lot of great churches that seem really religious and, and they're, they're nice and flowery. That's not our church. I don't mean this to sound ugly. I just want to tell you right now, that's not who I'm going after. Our church is the spec ops of the army of God. We're going after the hell-bound, beer-drinking, miniskirt-chasing dude that doesn't even know that there's a God who loves him. That's who I'm going after. Amen. Does that make sense? That's who I'm going after. See, well, that sounds sexist. I don't mean it to be sexist, but I've learned something. If I can get him, he'll bring his family. Just telling you the truth. If I can get him. I've never had a woman get offended that. They always say, thank you. I'm trying to do the same thing and reach a guy I love, reach a guy I care for, men and women. We believe that when you lift up Jesus, he draws all men and women unto him. And so that is our job. That's what we're called to do. I love the fact that there's a crowd at the board. 
I love the fact that we are crowded with people that are going to be a witness. Praise God for that. All of our campuses right now, someone right now is coming forward at Rodfield. Someone right now is moving forward at Rockport. I love it. Praise God. They're moving forward. They're inviting people to a temporary location in Rockport because the gospel goes on whether we have a building yet or not. Isn't that great to know that? Let's give it up for our Rockport campus. We love you guys. Grateful for you. Proud of you. San Antonio, this is an incredible opportunity for you to bring people to church. They may say, well, I don't know about church in the school. Well, you know what? You think that's crazy. What if you see a movie in church? Come check it out. You're going to love it. Bring someone with you. Let the credibility of who you are in their life be the key to bringing them. Say, well, I don't really know about the church, but I know about you. And if you like it, I'll go check it out. Bring them, San Antonio. You can do this. I want to challenge all of our campuses. Westside, come on. Reach out. Bring someone to church with you. Rodfield, we, we can do this, guys. God is leading us as a church. You know, come on, Padre Island. You, you have a role to play on the island. Bring people in to hear about Christ. Right now, if you're, if you're seated, and I know there's still people coming forward, that's okay. If you're seated and you've already tagged your, the name of someone you're going to bring, that's great. You can write more than one name on your ticket, though. I think that's great, too, by the way. But as you prepare for that, uh, take out your phone, if you would, too. This is an opportunity to be a social media evangelist, and you can go to our Facebook page, and you can uh, like it, first of all, and then share it. Share the At The Movies uh, advertisement piece with, with all of your friends. Would you do that? Isn't it funny how people are so... Uh, free about sharing their political opinion online, but yet we freak out if someone talks about Jesus. We need to reverse that trend. I, I think Jesus should be, should be the safe bet to talk about, right? You know, when people say, oh, I don't like Christians, this and that. You know what? But people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with some, some Christians, but they don't have a problem with Jesus. And so I, I want to encourage you to share your faith online. You know, go, go to our Instagram, go to our Twitter. You know, students, those of you who are on Snapchat, Go out into the atrium and snap yourself in front of the Incredibles or in front of the Star Wars set at Rodfield or wherever campus you're at. Go snap yourself in front of those things and say, I will be at the movies next week. Please come with me. Hit me up on snap and I'll take you with me. Let's be an evangelist, guys. Let's do our job. This is what we're called to do as a church. Just a few more minutes and we'll, and we'll wrap it up, guys. But I, I, I just have to tell you, this is what we're all about. This is what we do. And we're not going to get off of this. You wouldn't even believe the stuff we have scheduled for the fall. You wouldn't even believe. I always know it's going to be a good series when I have to ask the question, does that technology exist for us to even do that? That's how I know it's going to be a fun series. We've got some really creative stuff coming up this fall. You're not going to want to miss. Guys, we're not getting off of this. We will be a church for people that don't know God. That's who we are. That's what we do. We just care about people. I don't want to become comfortable as a church. I don't want to become soft in our faith. We want to be a mean, lean evangelism machine, winning people to Christ day by day, week by week as a church. We do what other churches won't to reach who other churches don't. That's what we're all about here at Church of Limits. Do me a favor now. Let's pray as people are still coming forward. Let's give, first of all, let's give it up for all these people who are taking the step of faith to say, I'm in. I'm in. I love it. Let's pray and let's just ask God to bless this work that we're going to do this week, inviting people, bringing people. Lord, thank you, God, for the privilege to be this kind of church. Lord, thank you, God. I, I realize, God, that coming forward and attaching a name of someone, that isn't where the power is at. The power is at in the obedience of saying, God, I'm willing to do this, Lord. And I pray, God, that every name that we attach to that board, we would actually follow through with and bring them to church this next weekend. Lord, thank you, God, that people think they're coming for a movie, but they're going to leave with Jesus. Lord, thank you for that, God. Thank you that we can be that kind of church. 
Lord, just thank you, God, that we can truly, truly just take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about, Lord. God, I want my life to count. I don't want to be the only one that in my life to get saved and then to shut my mouth. I want to open my mouth. I want to bring all my friends and all my family to faith in you. Thank you for the privilege to be a part of that. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. Isn't God good?